Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Thanks for listening to Apparently Speaking. Body image concerns have traditionally been considered a female-centric issue, but recent research suggests that 75% of adolescent boys are dissatisfied with their bodies. Now more than ever, boys are facing the same competing pressures to look a certain way, to wear the right clothes and shoes, to be strong and muscular, and on the mental health side, to hide their feelings and worries from others. Dr. Charlotte Markey of Rutgers University has devoted close to three decades to understanding the science and psychology of all aspects of body image, eating behavior, and weight management. The author of The Body Image Book for Girls saw a critical need to speak to boys and young men directly about what they're going through in order to help them feel more confident and secure in who they are. She partnered with fellow academics Dr. Daniel Hart and Douglas Anzacker for her latest book, Being You, The Body Image Book for Boys, which Cambridge University Press will publish on April 7th, 2022. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And also Shell Bell Boutique, featuring today's fashions and accessories for women and girls. Visit ShellBell.com for more information. Check colorful, satisfying meals off your list for the week and use your newfound free time for whatever you want. Think of Keep the Change Kitchen Collective as a virtual food hall. Find better options for each member of your family or each version of yourself all under one roof. What will you do with your reclaimed time? They hope you don't say laundry, but totally understand if you do. Visit ktckitchen.com and use code NODISHES for 20% off your first curbside order. That's ktckitchen.com, code N-O-D-I-S-H-E-S. Charlotte Markey, PhD, is one of the world's leading experts in body image research, having studied all things body image, eating behavior, and weight management for close to three decades. A professor of psychology and founding director of the Health Sciences Center in Rutgers University, she is passionate about helping people develop a positive perception of their bodies. Welcome, Dr. Charlotte Markey, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so it's my pleasure. And so the the topic is really interesting to me. It's it's not like a, you know, super fun topic, <laughs> you know, to talk about, but it's really interesting because when you think about body image and de- eating disorders and, you know, body disorders and all those kind of things, we automatically probably think about girls, right? Like um, you know, preteens and teens and and things like that. And even even, you know, women. Everyone's always, you know, it seems like we're always obsessed with, you know, I hate this about my body or this or that, you know, and sometimes that's as far as it goes. Sometimes it's extreme, but, you know, you're here to talk about and tell us that really there is an issue and seems like a growing issue with boys with this, right? Absolutely. We haven't really given boys a lot of attention. And it's interesting because even though the concerns are there, um, boys often don't refer to them in the same way that girls do, right? So boys will issue the term body image when I talk with them, and then they'll tell me things like, oh, I don't want to take my shirt off at the pool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, that's body image. Yeah, but- <laughs> they don't see it that way, right? Or they- right. I mean, we've feminized this term for so long, it really has not given boys and men the space to have the conversations we've been having with girls and women. 
Yeah, but then as I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what? Of course, like, and boys, you know, when they go through, you know, and I, I used to teach, I taught for a little while, um, eighth grade. And it was so funny because mm-hmm. I would have some boys in there that were like men, you know, right. these, these men, they looked, you know, they had like, you know, facial hair, they had their, their legs were way out of the desk, huge muscular, you know, and then I had, um, you know, sitting right next to them, someone that, you know, was in eighth grade, but maybe looked like a fourth grader. Uh-huh. You know, it's just crazy, you know, and just the, especially during that time, you know, there's those years where they're just changing and growing so much. And so I'm sure those boys who, you know, are, they're totally fine, you know, but they look at some of the other one, you know what I mean? And it's like, wait a second, I'm just skinny little, you know, and this kid is already, you know, muscular and things like that. So I'm sure that they, they notice and it has an effect on them. Absolutely. And I think that we talk with girls about puberty and these changes more because there are, um, you know, specific things we want them to be ready for. They have to deal with menstruation. And and with boys, I think we're just a little more vague or we just don't have the conversations that we have. So they don't necessarily know what to expect to the same extent. They may or may not be getting good information at school. Um, and, you know, boys don't know what to make of the fact that their bodies are changing and growing and, you know, they're hungry all the time. And um, we often kind of leave them out just to figure this out. Right, right. And some statistics like that you that you had, I got from your information, a third of teen boys are trying to gain weight or bulk up. So that that wasn't surprising me. I guess they want to, you know, that's what they want to do. They try to start, you know, what can I do? I'm going to, you know, eat, do I have this protein powder and, you know, whatever they're trying to look into and trying to start lifting weights and, and all that. Because, and as it says, you know, many boys equate muscularity with popularity. And that was an interesting statement. So yeah, they probably think and see that, hey, these boys that are more muscular and built and bigger and all this are, you know, maybe they think, though they're more popular than I am. They get noticed more than I do. And we have research to suggest that even boys as young as six start to notice and express concerns about muscularity. Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. This one study that some colleagues in the field did shows that like 50% of boys at six are saying muscles make boys look better. And what, you know, it kind of cracks me up, but it also kind of just really upsets me that they're six. Like, you know, boys don't develop muscles really in a prepubertal timing. I mean, they it's just not really even possible. So the fact that this is on their radar at such a young age, um, I think is surprising to a lot of us. Yeah. A six-year-old, you're thinking, I, I, I can understand when they're in school and they're, you know, in junior high and things like that. And like you said, they're maybe, you know, taking their shirt off to change for gym and all these kind of things, or they're doing sports. But six, it's like, what are they even, <laughs> why are they even noticing that? You know, I mean, I mean, not that they wouldn't notice, but just that it would go further than that. That's, that's surprising. Right. And I mean, it, that's part of what's fascinating about talking to kids and teens about these issues, I think, is that you can have a six-year-old who, on the one hand, can't quite tie his shoe on his own. And on you know, the other hand, has already figured out that like he wants to develop big muscles, right? So there's right. this sort of disconnect with some of the cognitions. Um across childhood and adolescence. Yeah. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, well, I guess like, 
you know, they're seeing even like the superheroes with the, you know what I mean? Or they're, you know, like my son had the costume with the built in, you know what I mean? Uh (laughs) Had all the muscles built in and everything. So I guess, you know, I can see also where they're, where they're seeing that. Yes. Spider-Man was very big in my house for a number of years as well. So, (laughs) so I remember um, what that was like, but um, it is still sort of shocking the extent to which culturally we've equated muscularity with masculinity and how big of an impression that makes on young people. Right. And some boys, like, yes, there are things as they grow and they do things, yes, they can, you know, be physically fit and exercise and, you know, get stronger. But just as we know with everyone with the different body types, some boys probably are just not going to. You know, some are going to get more muscular than others, even if they all lift weights, right? A hundred percent. We get all these cultural messages that we can transform our bodies. We can change our bodies. We can fix them. We can gain weight. We can bulk up. We can lose weight. And yet, you know, most of how we are going to look in terms of our height, our shape, our weight is genetically determined. There is actually not that much space for us to transform our bodies. But we see the cultural messages. There's a lot of marketing and product placement. There's a lot of, you know, consumerism behind this. Um, And then we see celebrities like, you know, Chris Pratt dropped 60 pounds in six months to film Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh And you know, even young boys can see something like that on TikTok. They they see that. They get the idea in their head that they can remake themselves physically. And in the study of body image, we often call this the myth of transformation, this idea that complete physical transformation is possible. And not only is it possible, but everything about your life will improve once you manage it. Oh, right, right. So these boys are thinking, you know, once I, you know, if I can just bulk up and be this, however they want to look, you know what I mean? Then my life is going to be great. I'm going to be popular. I'm going to do this and that and this and that. Exactly. Right. And it's not their fault. It's not kids' fault. It's not adults' fault when we think this. You know, there's a lot of messaging directed at us to to give us these ideas. Um, But it turns out that feeling good about ourselves, feeling good about our body image is not just about you know, lifting weights or right. um, losing weight or whatever it may be, right? It's really much more of an inside job. Right. And obviously there's nothing wrong if they get to the appropriate age and they want to start, you know, doing some things like that, you know, lifting weights, or, but not to make you happy, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's really important, right? The framing of it. Like, are we taking care of our bodies? Are we doing things that um, are good for us? and really acts of self-care? Or are we punishing ourselves? Are we Mm -hmm. trying to change ourselves? That framing matters a great deal. Um, And I think for boys, sometimes because we don't communicate about these issues, um, they don't see the difference. So they think, you know, that sort of extreme fitness and athleticism is to be idealized. Yeah. And so another another statistic here, approximately a quarter of people with eating disorders 
are boys or men. Some estimates are closer to one third. So that really surprised me too, because I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I can see that they're wishing, you know, that they, you know, maybe had a different body, more muscles. They're maybe self-conscious to, you know, like you said, they didn't want to take the shirt off at the pool because they didn't feel like they're you know, muscular enough, but actually that boys do get eating disorders like girls do. Now, are they the same kind of eating disorders? Not always. Yeah. Not always. And, you know, I think our understanding of eating disorders has really evolved. There was very little research before the 1980s on eating disorders. Um, and our understanding has evolved. And to a certain extent, the manifestation of symptoms has has shifted a little bit. So, um, you know, binge eating disorder is the most common eating disorder by far. Hmm. And so we have most of us sort of this stereotypical emaciated you know, teenage girl in mind when we hear the word eating disorders. Mm -hmm. But that is the minority. That is the, you know, real minority when we're talking about eating disorder patients. And um, many boys and men who have an eating disorder um, have binge eating disorder, or they may have um, something that's more similar to orthorexia, where they're really compulsive um, in terms of watching what they eat, counting their macros, mm. paying attention to their protein intake, um, spending hours in the gym every day. So it's, it's again, a, a, a somewhat different manifestation. Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase, and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. So what about, you know, I know the boys, when they get, you know, a lot of teen, they start with the protein powder and things like that. And that's okay. But do you see a lot of boys that kind of take it further? You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, like some steroid and those kind of type things they're trying because they're kind of desperate to bulk up. Yeah. I mean, in a nationally representative study of adolescents in the U.S., we have about 3% of adolescent boys using steroids. And when it comes to protein powder and other supplements, these are unregulated. Mm -hmm. We do not need protein powder. Um, protein is probably the easiest nutrient, especially for boys, to include in their diet in sufficient amounts. So it's really a a myth that hmm. boys need more protein that girl than girls, and that extra protein will do anything. You will just excrete extra protein out. You will not turn it into muscle. That's not how it works. Very physiologically. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, so, that's very interesting. Because I'm thinking, well, that's a protein shake. Yeah, that's good for you. <laughs> I mean, it's really just completely unnecessary. Yeah. And in many cases, it may actually be bad for you because we're talking about unregulated substances, and when they're tested. Um, it they don't always contain what they say they contain. Yeah. Um, some of that research is really wild, and there's a huge, you know, um, industry yeah, huge. making billions and billions of dollars with their own lobbyists, keeping us, um, the general public, from being aware of the fact mm -hmm. that a lot of these products are unnecessary. They're potentially causing more harm than good, um, and we don't want our kids taking them. 
Yeah. And just like, you know, like with most things probably to take to get, you know, take this to get, you know, this vitamin or take this to get these things, just take, just have the real thing, right? <laughs> like right. Have the real food item that's healthy for you. <laughs> right. And most kids are not um, malnourished if they're food right. secure in our country. You mm-hmm. know, there is a real problem with food insecurity, which did right. get worse across the pandemic. So it's not to say that everyone in our country has the food they need, because unfortunately that's not true. Um, but if you are living in a food secure household, then you probably don't need to worry too much about the nutrients that your kids are consuming. Right. And we know that steroids, that's that you would definitely say that's not something that, you know, preteen and teenage boys should be probably experimenting with. Absolutely not. They, um, unless there's a medically indicated reason um, and a physician has prescribed them. But otherwise, I mean, adults and kids alike should completely stay away. Um, yeah. The the long-term effects um, are just really devastating. Right. It's not worth, you know, getting muscular if you have these other things happen to you. And, and you boys can, you know, like we said, to some extent based on their genes and, and things like that, but you can just, you know, lift weights and eat healthy and they can build muscle some more than others, but that's just, you know, how it is. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not, trying to ever dissuade anyone from being physically active. Sure. <laughs> um, physical <Darn>. activity, <laughs> no, physical activity is, you know, amazing yeah. for both our psychological Right, and but when you're obsessed health. with it and you're, right. you know, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Yeah. We want yeah. our kids to do well in school, to have a social life, to, you know, be meeting other developmental um, milestones and not focused so much on their muscularity that um, that they can't do all these other things that are important during adolescence. Yeah. And you say up to 60% of boys are adopting unhealthy habits to increase the size of their muscles, which we talked about some of those already. 25 to 30% of eating disorder patients are boys, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so right, like we talked about before, it's not just girls, even though that's what you think. And and maybe girls just, maybe I'm wrong on this, you know, not, I think that girls, they're not proud of that if they have an eating disorder, but just by nature, they may be more willing to talk about it and share with certain people. And maybe boys are a little more, they wouldn't want someone to know, or they don't think that it actually is a disorder. I don't know. <laughs> I think some of both, we haven't really created a space for boys to talk about these issues, to um, even really be comfortable talking about mental health issues, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, girls, um, and especially you know this younger generation now. This is where I start to sound really old. No, um, these kids today. <laughs> these kids today are are more comfortable talking about mental health in general, and yeah. especially girls are more comfortable talking about. Um, the benefits of therapy or going to a therapist or, you know, addressing mental health issues. And we haven't really created as much space for for boys or men um, Mm. to talk about those issues. And it's incredibly unfortunate. It really, you know, it it scares me as both a parent, as someone who studies these issues, um, that instead boys are still really socialized to focus on 
you know, being sort of strong, stoic superheroes. And we often don't know that they're having problems until it's really dire. And, you know, then treatment becomes much more difficult. Hmm. Well, what can we do? How can we, you know, as parents help boys develop a positive body image, right? Because that's what anyone listening would want to do. Say, well, I don't want that. You know, I don't want my son obsessing with that or worried about or having a disorder or eating disorder or, you know, low body image. So how can we help them develop that positive body image without obviously, you know, we don't need to be obsessed with it either as parents, like worrying about them, you know, but just, just how, how can they have a positive body image? Yeah. I think there are some really sort of big things we can do. And then there are some smaller, more behavioral things we can do. And sort of in the big things bucket, I put first, um, how do we talk about masculinity in our homes? Are we defining masculinity as toughness? Are we saying, oh, you know, man up. Oh, don't be a wimp. Are we making it clear to our boys that they should be suppressing feelings? Are we allowing them to have feelings? Are we teaching them to be communicative? Or are we teaching them that they should be stoic? So I think we really need to think about just that really general gender socialization. And we also really need to, um, in sort of the broad big things we can do, talk with our kids about media literacy and appearance ideals that they see around them because they're everywhere, especially Mm -hmm. with social media. And so we want to make sure from the time our kids are young, because they're exposed to different forms of the media at different ages, um, that they are appreciating that a lot of what they're seeing is not realistic. This is not what you should aspire to grow up to look like or to be. Um, People are presenting their best selves. Uh, Celebrities have personal chefs and trainers and makeup artists and lighting artists. And, you know, uh, they have a whole crew of people presenting them mm-hmm. in a, you know, idealized light. And, um, and so this is, you know, that's their job is to look good, right? So we want sort of this celebrity culture, um, I think, to, to be less impressive to our kids. We want to try to make sure they understand that that is a different world that most of us are not going to be a part of. And that's okay. That's not our job. Um, right. And then in sort of the the little bucket, the things of like little, not that these are little per se, but they're more behavioral or more specific things that we can do to help our kids. And to a certain extent, this goes for both boys and girls. One is to really work on having healthy relationship with food in our household, um, not moralizing food, not talking about some food is good and some is bad, um, not restricting our kids so that then they feel like they're naughty if they eat something. Oh, yeah. Um, like really, you know, being thoughtful in how we um, how we present food in our household from the time they're young. And that's not to say that we just let them eat whatever or have junk all the time. Um, we want to offer nutritious food to the best of our ability, but um, we also don't want to have kids growing up with concerns and issues, feeling guilty and worried and like they have to avoid certain foods. Um, And we want to nurture a positive 
relationship with movement as well so that kids enjoy being active, that they don't feel like it's oppressive or obligatory. Um, And we really, I think, also want to question and challenge the culture around us in lots of little specific ways. So when we see media presenting people in a certain way, to question that, say, wow, I wonder I wonder yeah. how many hours in the gym he had to spend. Right. Or, or is that how they really look? You know, exactly. Is it, is it the magic of Hollywood or not? Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot we can do and say from the time our kids are basically verbal um, to try to, I think, set them up for success in terms of having a positive body image. Um, but these are tricky topics. They're hard. Yeah. This, you know, you, you talk to people about parenting all the time. Parenting is incredibly humbling and challenging. Yeah. So this is not to say that this is all just, you know, easy and check it off your list and you're done. Um, I think it's something that many of us adults struggle with and it makes it really hard to um, parent in an optimal way when we're dealing with an issue ourselves. I receive the most compliments on my outfits when I'm wearing something from Shell Bell Boutique. Shop Shell Bell and you're supporting a locally and female-owned business. Shell Bell opened in September of 2020 and they carry many popular brands such as Fate, Vintage Havana, Vegan Warehouse, Can Can, Mono B, Nikki Bicky, and Aloha. The boutique also includes SB Girl, fashions and accessories for girls sizes 6 to 14. Shell Bell is located at 334 East Garfield Road in Aurora, Ohio. If you're not local, you can shop shellbell.com. That's S-C-H-E-L-L-B-E-L-L.com. New styles are arriving daily, and you can check out Shell Bell on Facebook and Instagram and contact the boutique to book your private after-hours sip and shop. That's shellbell.com, 330-954-8400. I know myself, you know, you always hear, you know, when in refer in reference to girls, you know, don't, don't talk to your girls about their weight, you know, either way, you know, good or bad. Don't, don't let them hear you say anything, um, about yourself. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, you know, I, I look awful today or, or whatever, or oh, I'm fat or this. don't ever do that, you know, in front of your daughters and everything. And which, yes, I agree, but it's like, no one ever says, don't ever do those things, you know, in front of your son or don't, don't talk to your, you know, tell your son about those things either. So it's interesting. Like you said, it's, there's been a lot of space as far as the girls, but it's kind of like, well, boys are just immune to that. Yeah, but they're not. Right. They're growing up in such a visual media culture now that they're getting the messaging, you know, in a pretty heavy handed way as well. Um, so I think we have to be really careful what we say in front of our sons as well. I think we don't want to be disparaging. Um, we don't want to talk about, you know, that exercise class as a way to earn dinner. Um, (laughs) you know, it can be hard though. Many of us, we've all grown up in, in diet culture. We've all grown up in this, um, you know, it's the water we swim in. So it's, it's sometimes hard to, to see it for what it is. Yeah. I want to ask you about something you said, you said, you know, don't really kind of label some foods as good and, and some bad. So do we, cause I mean, I think, yes, obviously we tell our kids, you know, you know, eat healthy foods and these are healthy foods and things like that. 
But so you're just saying like, don't say they're maybe just really bad, but just maybe like, we just have these things in moderation or what, what exactly do we do then with that? Yeah, I think it can be most adaptive to, you know, say things like you're going to feel better um, and it's good for your body. You're growing still. Uh, it depends, of course, on the exact age of your child. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, this is this is important for your growth and your health, you know, to eat fruits and vegetables or whatever and to offer them. A lot of it is just in how you behave, not what you say, right? Like, is there a vegetable at dinner? Yes. Are people enjoying it? Yes. Um, kids are very unlikely to to ever like something they've been forced to eat. So we don't have to force it. We offer it. We keep offering it. Um, and in terms of the bad foods, yeah, we, you know, it's not that I've never said, oh, that's junk or something. Yeah. Um, but I think we want to just be careful not to, you know, stress that point, not to make it feel like forbidden fruit because right. it just makes kids like it that much more. And we have a generation of young people growing up who are most at risk of binge eating disorder. And yeah. where does that come from? That comes from a culture telling them that they can't eat all of these things they want to eat <laughs> because those things taste good. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's like, this, is, this is a great point. You know, something really think about, right? It's like, well, why is that? Right. Because of our, the way we grew up. And so then now we're saying that to them. Yeah. Don't eat this. This is bad. That's bad for you. Da, da, da. So of course, right. That would kind of encourage that binge eating. Yeah. And we don't want, we don't want kids to feel like you know, food ha has like this extra like layer of, of emotion attached with it. Yeah. Right. There's, I mean, food is a, is a great pleasure. It should be something we enjoy. So it should right. be Feel emotional. your body, enjoy it. Right. Yes. So it should be, you know, emotional in that sense, of course, but we don't want it to be like, oh no, I'm guilty. Oh no, I can't eat that. Oh no, I have to skip breakfast. Right. Which is like, what we probably tend to do. Which is what a lot of it, you know, have like I think of myself, I'm like, oh yeah, I I do that, you know, to myself. I don't say it, you know, out loud, but like, oh, why did I eat that? You know, that kind of thing. But it's important for ourselves also to be, I think, much more forgiving and understanding yeah. with ourselves, and just to be like, oh well, it was good. I ate a yeah. lot. Now I feel full. Starting okay. now, right? Like right. Okay. You know, right, right, maybe right. I'll be a little more cautious next time. But yeah. you know, what we really want our kids to grow up with is a sense of being in touch with their bodies, so that they can regulate their food consumption probably better than we can, right? Mm -hmm. If they are sort of spared some of these diet culture messages, then they're less likely to overeat in the first place. They're less likely to want to binge on stuff. They're less likely to, you know, see sweets and want to just dig in. Um, you know, nothing feels almost more rewarding to me as a parent, given the issues I study, when I see my kids like kind of take or leave like dessert and they're just like, oh, I'm full. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, wait, what do you mean you're full? No, what? You know? Are you sick? Yeah. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, you know, yeah. because I think that's not the experience so many of us adults had growing up where it was like a treat. So you couldn't turn it down. Definitely. Even though if you're stuffed, you know, yeah, I think a lot of people like you have to still eat it. Right. But yeah. I think it's really an amazing thing if we can help our kids have that sense of like, oh, well, you know, I'll just have dessert tomorrow when I'm yeah. full. Yeah. Like it's not a big thing. It's not you a big know? deal. 
And, and of course, you know, that I'm, I'm speaking from a position of privilege, I know, because that means in my house that we can't afford to have dessert or have those kinds of treats around with a great deal of frequency. And that may not be the case for right. all families, but still the general sentiment is the same that we really hope to instill in our kids a sense of intuitive eating and being able to just really kind of be in touch with what they need and offer as much of the good stuff in terms of nutrients as we can, but not belabor it, not make it this loaded uh, force in our homes. Let's be real. Meal planning is harder than it needs to be. Shopping, prep, and cleanup are always a bigger project in real life than on Pinterest. Keep the Change Kitchen Collective is here to help. They know that time is the most valuable currency for busy parents, and the choice between a pile of dishes and subpar carryout often feels like a lose-lose. Consider Keep the Change, a virtual food hall where you can find better than options for each member of your family or each version of yourself all under one roof. Think roasted chicken dinners with colorful sides, inventive Asian noodles and rice, and crave-worthy chicken tenders and wings. Their nutrient-dense salads and grain bowls are built to last in the fridge, so you can check lunches off your list too. Visit ktckitchen.com to explore their menu and use code NODISHES for 20% off your first curbside order. That's ktckitchen.com code no dishes. So what if you have a son or whatever age and you feel like, oh, I think they're already kind of have these negative and may- maybe you think like, yeah, maybe we did some of these things in our house or we said some of these things or just whatever reason it is. Like he, he already has some issues with body image and just obsessed, maybe getting obsessed with, you know, wanting to be, you know, super muscular and all these things. And you see it going in, you know, not the healthiest way. What, what should, what can parents do then? Well, I would caution parents not to wait to see mm. if their kid outgrows it, right? If you are on the brink of something that resembles an eating disorder, you want to catch it before it becomes an eating disorder. You want to go to your pediatrician or a medical provider and make sure their vitals are looking okay because you would be surprised that some of these kids then, their pulse is way down. They may actually you know, be at risk already and not be physically completely stable. Mm. Um, so I would say make an appointment with a primary care provider, um, depending on the age of your child, and at least get, you know, vitals checked, get blood work done, get, um, you know, their pulse checked, get their height and weight checked. Um, and you don't have to make it a huge deal if you, you know, if you're not sure what's going on, check it out um, and and do it with kindness, do it with concern, right? Kids often feel if they're being dragged to the doctor that they're being punished and that's yeah. not the vibe we want to give. <laughs> um, we want to say, hey, I'm kind of worried about you because you've been exercising a lot. I want to make sure that you're vitals look okay and that you're nourishing yourself properly. And you can also let your provider know ahead of time what your concern is so that they're checking for the right things. Um, But I think what we're all too often likely to do with boys is um, 
you know, just hope they, they outgrow it. And this has sort right. of been what I feel like parents have done for generations with adolescents. Like, oh, it's a hard time. They'll outgrow yes, it. Yes, it's just teen angst and all this. Yeah. And, and of course, there is some of that. Sure. And we can't always be sure when it's that or when it's not. It's it's tricky as a parent. I know as a parent of two teenagers, I'm not always sure. Um, but it's better safe than sorry in terms of getting some other providers involved and getting other people who can assess your child sort of more objectively if you have access to providers. Um, and of course, you can just talk with your kids mm-hmm. too and just say that, you know, I see you becoming really rigid about how much you exercise or what you're eating. And I'm worried that you're putting yourself on the path to um, a real problem here. Would you want to talk to someone about that? Or can I buy you a book? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, as a book author, I, I will admit that I think one of the best tricks is still to get a relevant book and leave it in your kid's room and you don't have to say a whole lot about it. And they might end up looking at it. Yeah. No, those are good. That's great. It's, it's just was really good information. It was really good to talk to you about it. I think that, um, it's just something that we don't really think about a lot, which is why you wrote the book. Um, because it's, 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 is an issue for so many, but not really talked about that much or thought about that much. So thank you so much for being here. Where can we find you? Where can listeners find you and find your new book? Yeah. So Being You, the body image book for boys, you can get on Amazon or pretty much any bookstore. You can also go to the book's webpage, which is just um, thebodyimagebookforboys.com. And I think it's important to realize too that when we're talking about body image, um, this is sort of situated at the intersection of mental and physical health. And so the book is really a guide um, for mental and physical health across the board for tweens and teens. And so if you have any concerns at all or just want to have resources in your house, um, then I think it's not a bad idea to pick one up, in my (laughs) unbiased opinion. Yes, right. I think it's a great idea too. Yes. So get the book, find out more about her and and get that new book. And... um, Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And also Shell Bell Boutique, featuring today's fashions and accessories for women and girls. Visit ShellBell.com for more information. Check colorful, satisfying meals off your list for the week and use your newfound free time for whatever you want. Think of Keep the Change Kitchen Collective as a virtual food hall. Find better options for each member of your family or each version of yourself all under one roof. What will you do with your reclaimed time? They hope you don't say laundry, but totally understand if you do. Visit ktckitchen.com and use code NODISHES for 20% off your first curbside order. That's K-T-C-K-I-T-C-H-E-N.com, code N-O-D-I-S-H-E-S. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com, like Apparently Speaking on Facebook, and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.